Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is the Daily Devotional at the Church of the Palms. Uh, my name is Dr. Stu Broberg, and I'm one of the visitation pastors here. Uh, so as we begin, let's begin by focusing our heart and our mind on God's Word by listening to some beautiful and inspirational music. The scripture for today uh, comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the fifth chapter, and I am um, specifically looking at the 30th verse, Luke chapter 5, verse 30, where uh, it is said, um, and, um, but why does he, Jesus, uh, eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. Why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Or as the King James Version, why does he sup with publicans and sinners? Uh, let us uh, begin by opening with a word of prayer. Let us pray. A great God, uh, now uh, Focus our heart upon you and your son Jesus and your word. And we invite you through the Holy Spirit uh, to speak a word of truth into us um, through your living word, through the presence of your son Jesus. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this uh, scripture is a great piece of scripture. Um, 
asking the question. The Pharisees and the scribes come and they are asking, well, why Jesus? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners, with publicans and sinners? Why do you do that, Jesus? And of course, uh, their, their point is uh, that if he is the Messiah, and they're questioning that, uh, he should be a good person, and good people wouldn't associate with people like publicans and sinners. Uh, and in point of fact, maybe their real point is, uh, Jesus, you shouldn't be eating and drinking with them. You should invite us to dinner, and we as the good people, quote unquote, uh, we as the Pharisees and the scribes, we should be the ones to be at table with you. Uh, this is a, an interesting uh, little story in scripture. Uh, it's about uh, Jesus, of course, but also Levi, who is a tax collector, a tax gatherer, a publican. And in, uh, in that age, in that time, uh, they would have been uh, very much hated. Uh, they would have been rapacious in getting taxes out of people in order uh, to give that money to the Romans who were also hated, uh, who were the occupiers of, uh, of Judah in that time. And not only um, were the tax collectors uh, rapacious in that way, but they also, uh, they also would steal some of the money for themselves. Uh, so they were guilty of theft, uh, they uh, were guilty of being cruel, um, they were universally disliked and seen as uh, bad people in their day. So the story is that Jesus comes up to Levi, and I imagine this, that he, Levi is sitting behind his table, his tax table, if you will, and he's sitting there and he has big bags of coins on this table, and, but Jesus comes up to him and Jesus looks Levi right square in the eyes. And Levi realizes he is, in is he is having an encounter with someone extraordinary. He sees, you know, all of the uh, infinite depth of the Almighty in the eyes of Christ. And he sees love and compassion on the face of Jesus. And not only that, uh, Jesus calls him by name, calls him Levi. Uh, you know, the, the Lord is not an impersonal Lord. The Lord knows us personally and by name. And then the Lord speaks and says, Levi, um, come follow me. And this is, you know, the voice of God, the voice of authority, the, the same word that was spoken at creation. Jesus speaks to Levi and says, come follow me. And extraordinarily, Levi gets up from his tax table because it says he left everything. 
Levi leaves everything and follows the Lord Jesus. He left everything that he had struggled for, everything that he had given up his reputation for, all of the, you know, to be a successful publican, wealthy, uh, his position in that society. He got up from that table and he even left the bags of money behind. He left everything. And then he has this uh, celebration. There's a party. And Jesus comes to Levi's house. Um, that's incredible in and of itself because no good Jew would enter the home of someone like Levi. They would feel as if they had been soiled uh, by his unrighteousness. And then, what is more, Jesus sits at table with Levi and shares a meal with him. And there is no greater sign of acceptance in the Middle East of that time than to sit and to share a meal with someone. And, and who, who were Levi's guests? Well, they were his friends, and tax collectors didn't have many friends, so they were, they were other tax collectors, they were other publicans, and they were probably other people who were sort of ne'er-do-wells and not thought very highly of in that time. So there is Jesus, the Messiah, sitting at table with Levi, the publican. Well, the Pharisees and the scribes are sort of observing this from afar and they, uh, of course, they're gossiping about it and they're being negative and they're, you know, backstabbing uh, through their words. And so they say, you know, well, who, why does Jesus, why does this guy sit at table with people like Levi and these publicans? Why does he eat and drink and accept and embrace these people? They weren't happy. Jesus has an answer for them, but I'll save that for later. But there's a spiritual principle that's at work here, and that is to say that Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. Um, he, and he does it by his identification with people. He stands with them. He identifies with Levi. He's willing to come to Levi's house and share a meal with Levi. And it is out of that identification, then, that opens this great door for transformation in the life of someone like Levi. That's the spiritual principle that's at work here. So many uh, years ago, um, I was a, a very young pastor and I was in my very first church where I served as the pastor of the church. And it was in a, a very small town, really uh, at most a village. Uh, and how small it was, there was one stop sign in town. And there, by the way, there was one church in town and I was the one pastor of the one church in that little town that had one stoplight, one stop sign. And um, so I was new. And 
I made uh, some decisions and I said some things uh, that ran afoul of some of the good people, quote unquote, in town and in the church. And so I opened myself up for a lot of criticism and they were, uh, you know, bad-mouthing me out in the community, not to my face, of course, but they were gossiping about me and, you know, and as only gossips can do, they embellish the story uh, and add things that aren't true and et cetera, et cetera. So that was going on and honestly, that was uh, the first time that it had ever happened to me, so I was quite hurt by it. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I sort of withdrew in a way uh, because I was hurt. Well, uh, a man in that congregation, uh, a wonderful man, uh, by the name of C.V. Cowden, and C.V. called me up and invited me out to have lunch with him. C.V. is an amazing person. He uh, was an older person, very highly esteemed in that community and in the church, a spiritual leader in that congregation. But uh, C.V. is one of these people, uh, he had a twinkle in his eye and he had a past, you know. Uh, he uh, had, had a hard life at one point and, it, and early in his life I think he had been a, you know, kind of a hard drinker too. And at one point in his life he had uh, cleaned that up and uh, also uh, the Lord uh, helped him with that and became alive to him and he became transformed uh, by what God was doing in his life. And, you know, in a way, uh, he, he was the living embodiment of the, of the old adage, uh, they who are forgiven much, love much. It was the kind of person he was. So he invites me out to lunch, and I'm not sure exactly what the agenda is going to be. You know, is he going to also weigh in on me and criticize me or whatever, I don't know. So we go to the, you know, the one restaurant in the one little town and it's a little um, log cabin restaurant and the name of it is White's Country Kitchen. And it's at noon, so all, you know, a lot, it's always packed and as I would always say, uh, it's where uh, the elite meet to greet and eat and in, in that little town. And uh, C.V. had requested the table right at the very center of the restaurant. And at one point, um, you know, he just stood up. I had no idea what he was doing. He stood up and he said, may I have your attention, please? And he took a spoon and he clanged on his glass. May I have your attention, please? And he said, um, he said, uh, this man, and he pointed to me, is my pastor and my friend, and I don't care who knows it. It was sort of one of those, you know, E.F. Hutton moments where everybody was craning in and listening to what he was going to say. Um, and I don't care who knows it. And then he sat down. It really was a beautiful thing that he did for me as the young pastor. Because interestingly, not that long afterward, I think people thought about it a little bit more. And uh, the criticism sort of uh, dried up and um, the gossip 
stopped and that was a good thing and I was restored, you know, uh, you might say as, as the young pastor of the church. And as I reflected on it more, you know, I, I realized that what Jesus had done for Levi, C.V. Cowden had done for me. And then as I really thought about it more, it was now Jesus working through C.V. Cowden had done for me. He was willing to identify with me, uh, to stand with me, to say this person is my pastor and my friend. And that was what dissipated the criticism and, and was very helpful and restorative to me. So several years uh, passed and um, I was now, I was the senior pastor of a uh, very prominent and prestigious church uh, in a, a city in the Midwest. And with that went, you know, uh, everybody pretty much in that city knew who I was and there was respect and so forth for me um, as a pastor. But there was a man in my congregation and he was going through a really tough time. Uh, he, was, he was prominent. And yes, he had done some things and said th some things that had gotten him into trouble. And, um, you know, uh, the critics came out and the, the gossipers came out and he was really, really being targeted by a lot of people and sort of mercilessly. And I prayed for him and, you know, and, and as I prayed it was like, okay, Stu, it's pretty obvious what you're supposed to do here. So I called him on the phone and I said, I'd like to take you out to lunch. And I took him out to lunch to the big prestigious downtown club in that city. And I remembered the story, so I requested the table right at the very center of the club. And we were having lunch, and at one point I went, okay. And this was scary for me. I, I stood up, and I banged my spoon on my water glass, uh, and I said, may I have your attention, please? And the whole club got quiet. It was another E.F. Hutton moment. And I said, this man, I pointed to my friend, I said, this man is a member of my congregation and a strong Christian, and he's a great friend, and I don't care who knows it. And then I sat down, and there were some moments of silence in that room. And interestingly, the same thing happened. Not that long after that, you know, the, uh, the, the criticism abated and the gossip stopped and this man was restored. And of course I realized that the same thing that Jesus had done for Levi and that C.V. Cowden had done for me, uh, that very same thing was what Jesus through me had done for this man.
It's the same spiritual principle. Now, when the Pharisees asked the sort of rhetorical question, you know, why does this man, why does Jesus uh, eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Jesus answered it, and it was very, very interesting. He answered it by saying, well, those who are well have no need of a physician. So, O Pharisees and scribes, if you think you're well and you don't think you have any need of the Messiah and you don't need any kind of savior in your life, then you don't need a physician and you don't need me says Jesus. But Levi knew that he did. And so, you might say, was healed by the great physician, Jesus. So that, to me, sort of raises this question. And it's illustrated later in the Gospel of Luke, in the 15th chapter, um, there's the story of the Pharisees' prayer, you might say, versus the publicans, the tax collectors' prayer. And the Pharisees' prayer is, oh, you know, and they're, they're there in the same place. And the Pharisee sees the publican, and the Pharisee goes, well, thank God I'm not like him. Thank God I'm not a, a sinner like that terrible publican over there. Thank God. I'm not like him. But the publican prays. The tax collector prays. And in some places it's referred to as the Jesus prayer. And I, I love this. And I use it, by the way, devotionally uh, often in my prayer life. But it's the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, that's who you are. Be merciful to me, a sinner. That's who I am. And what I need from the physician is mercy. So the question at the end then is this. Do you identify with the Pharisee, with the good people of Jesus' day? Or do you identify with the publican, with the sinner of that day? Uh, Jesus comes to us. He looks deeply into our souls and he sees, you might say, the good and the bad and the ugly. 
and he calls us by name. And he always is inviting us to follow him. And, and to go and to celebrate and to be with him because he's reaching out to us, identifying with us, standing with us, regardless of what difficult situation we may face in life. And he sees us as we are. And we ask, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Powerful God, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, into our world to seek us out, to look deeply into our souls, and to call us by name. Lord, empower us through his great love and compassion to reach out to others in Jesus' name, in love and compassion, even and especially, Lord, when it takes courage and it may be costly to us. Lord, make us more like Jesus and less like our world. And this we ask and claim in Jesus' name. Amen.